I was thinking about this story before I came up. Um, we sometimes, we get to lead uh, tours to Israel. Um, and we get to go over there. And it's, it's, uh, it's a blessing because the Bible says he will bless those who bless Israel. And uh, so anyway, we go over there. And right, I was getting ready to go over there, leading a tour. And this guy, uh, he was the director of the uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College in Jerusalem. And uh, I'm over in the United States in California. He calls me up. I'm leaving the next, I'm leaving that night. And, uh, you know, it's kind of frantic. I'm getting my stuff together. And he calls me up and he goes, hey, where are you? And I go, why? He goes, I need to hook up with you right now. I have a bag that I need to get to my son in Jerusalem. And I'm like, bro, I'm leaving. And he goes, dude, I'll meet you anywhere. I go, okay. So he meets me off the side of the, the road and he hands me this bag. And he goes, listen, when you get to Jerusalem, you've got to call my son, Brian, and he's got to have this bag. It's so important. And I go, okay, no problem. And then he goes, oh. I need the bag back. I'm like, what? I go, you mean I got to watch this thing for two? He goes, yeah, I need the bag back. My daughter, she's a stewardess, and it's a special bag. It's a stewardess bag. I need to have the bag back for sure. I go, okay, no problem. So I'll get it. So we put the bag, you know, I, we, get on, we get over to Israel. We get on the tour bus. I throw the bag in there. And, uh, you know, a few days later, we end up in Jerusalem, and I call his son. And I say, hey, Brian, I got a bag for you. And uh, he goes, I, I, where are you at? He goes, dude, I'm down on Benihuda Street uh, in the middle of Jerusalem. Benihuda Street is where all the Jews in Jerusalem hang out. And it's, it's the Sabbath has just ended, right? It's, uh, and, he, and, it, and the Sabbath ends at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. And all the Jews go down to Benihuda. And he goes, I'm with the... Um, I'm with the uh, Let's see, Horizon School of Evangelism is down here, and they're going to do the Redeemer skit right here in the middle of Jerusalem. And he goes, man, you can come, and you can preach the gospel down here, dude. I go, okay, great, man. This sounds great. So I run into him down there, and uh, I give him the bag, and um, he takes all the stuff out of the bag, and he gives me the empty bag back. And there's this guy on our team. His name's Johnny Uliki. He's a Eagle Scout. And I go, Johnny, hold on to this bag with everything you have. I got to bring it back to the United States. He goes, I got it, Pastor Brian, no problem. So he's got the bag, you know, we're down there. And, and so anyway, they, they do this Redeemer skit. And there's like 100 and, I don't know, 150 people right there, all these, uh, you know, religious Jews there. And so they finish the Redeemer skit. And I jump up on this planner. And I said, God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, Yahshua Hamashiach. And that's all I got. And all of a sudden, this lady in the crowd goes, This is Jerusalem! And I'm like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, this other guy runs up to the lady and she goes, Let him speak! And she goes, This is Jerusalem! And I'm like, oh, no. And next thing you know, the crowd is getting bigger and bigger. And this side's fighting with this side. And they're more. Now there's like three, 400 people. And I'm sitting up on this planter. And I, you know, I, I step down. And I'm like, man, I'm getting out of here, right? <laughs> so I, I, walk I walk back around. I'm leading a group. A, a, a group of, you know, I got high schoolers. I got moms. I got... This older guy, he's like almost 80 years old on our tour. You know, we got like 20 people. And I get my group together. And this crowd, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally I go, run for your life! <laughs> so, so here we are, man. The, the crowd, this is going on. And me and my friend, we're running this way off of Benihuda Street with, you know, with, the, with the team. And uh, as we're running off, the Israeli... Uh, military and the Israeli police are coming into Benihuda and they're firing tear gas in the air and they closed down, they came in and they closed down the entire middle of Jerusalem, the Benihuda Street. Amen? <laughs> I'm like, oh no! <laughs> oh no! 
So we barely, we, we got it, we barely made it back to our hotel. I mean, there's, this thing is going crazy, right? So we get back to the hotel, you know, and I go, and I think, I see, I see Johnny. I go, Johnny, where's the bag? He goes, oh, Pastor Brian, I'm so sorry. When we took off running, I left it. And I go, oh, no. And so anyway, I call Brian the next morning. And I go, Brian, listen. He goes, dude, that was insane. He goes, man, they closed the whole Benny Hooda Street, dude. And I go, you're kidding me. I go, Brian, did you see a bag there? You're near the stuff when you left? And he goes, no. Let me go down and I'll ask one of the shop owners that I know if they saw the bag. So he calls me back and he goes, after the police cleared the entire, after the, the military cleared all of Benny Hooda Street, all that was left was this one bag, and, and the bomb squad came out and wrapped it with dead cord and blew it up. <laughs> I go, <laughs> oh no, hey man. <laughs> I landed in LAX and Mike Harrington, the director of the Bible college, you know, I brought some other stuff back for him. He's like, I go, Mike, dude, I'm so sorry, bro. He goes, I heard all about it, bro. <laughs> I go, here's a hundred bucks for the bag. He goes, no, man, I'm not going to take your money, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they can find a wheel or something. I don't know. <laughs> we, we got the handle. <laughs> Praise God. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable in the perfect will of God. Amen? You guys want to hear another story? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you another cool story. So, we were... Um, I was at a men's retreat at Marietta over at the Bible College, and we're at a men's retreat, and we're sitting there, and uh, Pastor Brian Broderson's doing an, uh, an afterglow, and we're sitting there, there's a guy next to me, and all of a sudden, the guy next to me goes, oh, whoa, you know, and I go, what's going on? He goes, dude, God just spoke to me, man, and I go, really, well, what would he say? <laughs> he goes, God just spoke to me, man, I'm going to go to India. And I go, wow, that's cool, bro. So, you know, we're, we're back there praising the Lord. And then, and then like a couple minutes later, he goes, bro. I go, what? He goes, God showed me I'm going to India with you. <laughs> I go, with me? He goes, yeah. So I go, wow, you know, I guess God's speaking. So, you know, the next thing you know, we're over in the coffee shop, you know, and we're looking at tickets to go to India, you know. And so me and this guy, this is his first mission trip. And um, we went with a mi ascending mission organization. And so anyway, he goes, dude, listen, what we're going to do, he goes, um, I'm just going to go. This is my first mission trip. And he goes, I'm just going to, you're going to preach the gospel and I'm going to pray for you, man. That's what God showed me. I'm just going to go and just learn and we're going to just, and I go, okay, great. So, so we, go, we go to this, you know, before we went, we went over to this, this organization that sent us and they told us all these different rules and everything that we have, what we can do and what we can't do. And so what the plan was, we went up to 8,000 feet up into the Himalayas 
and we're going to camp out. We camped out in tents, right? <laughs> this Hindu area, these people that had never heard the gospel, right? So we're in tents. We're up at 8,000 feet, and um, that's what our plan was. We're just going to go through the villages and preach the gospel. So, so we get over there. We get up there, and this guy that's kind of leading us, he goes, he goes, hey, um, you guys, I want to take you up here. There's a, there's a Buddhist temple. It's the oldest Buddhist temple in the Himalayas. It's like four, I don't know, 400 years old. And he goes, man, I want to take you guys up there. You've got to see this thing. It's beautiful. And I'm like, I don't want to see a Buddhist temple, man. No, no, no thanks, man. So he talks us into it. He goes, oh, come on. You can go. He wants you to see it. So I go, all right. So me and this guy, we get out of our tent, and we follow this guy up the trail, and we hike up to this Buddhist temple. And, um, and so I'm like, I get there. There's, ant, there's chicken feathers around. There's this big idol. And it's just an abomination. I'm like, oh, this thing, man. Like, Why did we even come up here? Let's get out of here, right? And the guy's going, isn't it beautiful? Look at the tile. You know, look at, isn't it not? And he's trying to show. And so I go, let's go. So we take off. And we go back down to the tent. And um, we get in the tent. The guy gets in his tent. And I tell this guy that's, that went with me, I go, let's go. He goes, where are we going? I go, follow me. And so we hike back up. We're going, and, and I'm not saying anything. I'm walking and he's behind me. He's like, where are we going? We keep going. He goes, are we going back up to the temple? I go, yeah, follow me. And so we get up there. And we get up there. I go, grab it. And we got this giant idol, 400 years old. I go, get the end of it. Come on, let's go. And we carried it over to the side of the road. <laughs> he was like, oh, no. <laughs> and we ran back to the tent, man. And we were hiding in the tent. <laughs> oh, man. He's like, oh, no. It was so great. And, and, you know, I go, look, that's what Josiah did. Josiah did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, and he ripped down all these idols, amen? And so anyway, it was so cool because when we finished the trip, we had to go back to this mission organization, and they wanted a debriefing on how everything went, you know? And so we're sitting in there, and the guy goes, did the guy get to take you up to the Buddhist temple? And, and he goes, yeah, you know what he did? I'm like, no, don't tell him. <laughs> he goes, what? He goes, he threw the idol off the cliff. <laughs> the guy's like, you could have got everybody killed. Amen. <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will prove what is the good and the acceptable will of God for you. Amen. Hey, listen, how many of us want to know what is the good and the acceptable will of God for us. Amen? You know, our pastor, um, Pastor Chuck, would always say, listen, you can't do better for your life than the plan that God already has for you. Think about that. You can't, I, I know in your mind, if you're like me, you have all these things. You think that would be great to do that. It would be awesome to do that. And look, he's doing that. And all these things that are going through your mind, all these directions that can, you know, waste so much time and energy and money to pursue. And, 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 and it's, is it really what God has for you and me? And so what Paul's saying is, number one, don't be conformed to the world. Don't do what the world does because the world is directly opposed 
to the kingdom of God. You've got the world here that's controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, the God of this age, Satan, and then you have the kingdom of God, amen? And they're opposite. And so he's like, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will prove what is the good and the acceptable will of God for you. So, this is it. Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that God, the good works that God has ordained before the foundations of the earth that you should walk in them. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That your days, they're fashioned in a book. That God knows everything about you. He knows you're sitting down and you're standing up. That he specifically, the workmanship there in Ephesians 2.10, it means that you're his po poem. That you're his masterpiece. That, listen, you and I are uniquely made. No one's the same, man. No one's the same. And, 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 and everyone is specifically made for a specific thing. And that's the, that is the secret. That is the secret of life because if you can find out what you're supposed to do and if you do it, you will be totally blessed because at the end of your life, you're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? This is it, you guys. So, he's saying, listen, there is a good work that you and I are supposed to do. And he says, the way you're going to find out what it is, it's not by watching TV. Amen? <laughs> How many of you guys like to watch TV? You're not going to get the 50 bucks next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was pretty cool giving to the 50 bucks, man. I was like, whoa, man, all we have to do is commit ourselves to the Lord for a few days for 50 bucks. I'll do it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool, man. But listen, this is it, man. You know, it's like you don't want to conform yourself to the world, but you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let's kind of talk about this because... This is going to be, I want this to really be helpful for you guys. Um, in my life, okay, um, I did so many things, you guys. Oh, man, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be a doctor until I started studying. And it was like, oh, this stinks, man. I don't want to be a doctor anymore, right? <laughs> There's got to be something easier than this, right? I was trying to memorize medical terms. I was like, there was like A through Z medical terms. I got halfway through A and I go, forget this. <laughs> There's got to be something better than being, you know. But we see things, we pursue things. And, and so we want to do things, but it's not, you know, the thing is we can waste so much of our time. Um, there was a doctor that came to Haiti not too long ago. And um, this guy shouldn't have been a doctor. I mean, he, he, goes, he hated being a doctor. And I'm like, how in the world did you end up being a doctor? You know, it's like, ah, oh, my parents, you know, they pushed me through it. But he's like, hey, man, well, we got some people out here who are sick. He's like, oh, man, let's just go preach the gospel, man. I don't want to do that. He hated it. He closed his business down. He came to Haiti for like three months. He didn't want to be a doctor. He wasn't supposed to be a doctor, but he wasted all that time and all that energy and all that money from being something that he wasn't supposed to be. And this happens all over the place. But I don't want it to happen to you because it's happened to me. You know, I pursued so many different things in my life that were such a waste of time um, because it, it just wasn't what I was supposed to do. Um, so now, like four years ago, many of you guys, some of you might know this, but about four years ago, I went on a short-term trip to Haiti. And um, you guys, some of you guys been there? It's a cool place, huh? <laughs> so listen, this is like, this place, listen, this is like the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And I went after this, there was an earthquake in 2010, killed like 300,000 people. And I went on this short-term trip. And, and so I just said, I, I wasn't even thinking about going to Haiti or anything. 
And about halfway through the trip, I'm leading a group of about four or five people. We're working in the tent cities. And about halfway through the trip, all of a sudden, God starts speaking to me. And I mean, it's like, it's God speaking to me. I'm not telling the people what's happening. But God starts speaking to me. Amen? And, and, and the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And so, you know, I'm thinking, wow. And, and at first, you know, God starts speaking to me about moving to Haiti and starting this ministry. And I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> no way, man. No way. I go, look, how about Tahiti, man? Or, Tahi or how about the Bahamas or something? I'll, you know, I haven't been in it. No, no, not Haiti. I mean, there's cholera, there's malaria, the telephone poles are down, there's telephone wires, the roads are... When I moved there, there was two million people living in tents. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to live in a tent. <laughs> Amen? But God starts speaking to me. <laughs> Not a tent, Lord, please. <laughs> and so God starts speaking to me about this thing, and he starts giving... And I'll, I remember so I, I was wrestling with the Lord for a couple days... Because I always wanted my will. All the way up to this point, I've always wanted, even when I was a Christian, I always wanted what I wanted. You know, it would be like, you know, not, Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. He submitted to the will of the Father. And, but, you know, with me, it's always like, ah, no, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't sound good. That, I don't like that, no. You know, and no, it, 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 I would always try to, control what I was doing and it would always end up being frustrated but when I, I remember I was like halfway through this trip I was at this orphanage and I woke up in the middle of the night I was wrestling with the Lord for a couple days and I finally said Lord I'll do it I'll do it and I'll tell you that right there you guys was the smartest move I've ever made in my life I was you know I mean it is that was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. For me to say, yes, I'll do it. Now it meant, to, when I, it meant that I was going to lose my life. Because everything that I trained for, everything that I, all my dreams, all my ambitions, all my plans, all my schooling, everything that I had in my mind, what I wanted to do with my life, now is going to be gone. Because now I'm going to do what the Lord says. Amen. It's a radical place to be. But you know what? It was, I'm telling you, it was the most, it was the most significant thing that's ever happened to me. That's how I found my life. Because Jesus said, whoever loses his life will find his life. And I didn't want to lose my life. And I couldn't find life. And I was frustrated. And so anyway, when I did that, you know, it was so awesome because I didn't have any money. God gave me a vision to get a facility in the capital of Haiti. And then it was a simple vision to identify young leaders and then get the leaders and bring them in the facility and then take them through the Bible. Keep them, you know, move in with them for like two years and then take them through the whole Bible, maybe take a couple years or so, and then send them out to start churches. That was the vision, simple. Get the facility, identify a few leaders, bring them in, start teaching them, and send them out. It was a simple vision, right? So, but, so the cool thing was, is like, I, I said, yes, I'll do it. And when I said I would do it, the Holy Spirit started getting poured out in my life. I started to have this overwhelming joy. I started to get happy, amen? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey. And I was like, when I finally just said yes... I'll do it, you know, and God starts pouring out his spirit. And so I'll just tell you briefly what happened. I had no money. Um, I was staying, I went on this trip and uh, I was staying at an orphanage. I had like 35 bucks left in my bank account in the United States, just enough to pay like my phone bill. And um, I had no money. But to do this thing that the Lord told me was going to require a lot of money, amen? And so I, after I said yes, I remember when Joey Rozak spoke at a missions conference not too long ago. He said something really stuck to me. He said, just do the next thing. God's going to pour out his spirit as you just obey him and do the next thing you're supposed to do. And then you'll have the next thing. Amen. So it's like simple. So anyway, God tells me, 
he gives me, he, he, I'm like, how do I get the money for this? And so, you know, I'm thinking, what do I do, man? Do I go to my church? Do I, do I do car washes, dress up like a clown and do bake sales or something? I go, this ain't going to happen, right? I don't have any money, right? And so anyway, God puts it on my heart to tell one person at our church the vision. I get the vision. It's like I get the vision on Wednesday. I say I'm going to do it, you know, like on Friday and Sunday. I'm leaving Haiti. I'm, I'm coming back to the United States. And so God tells me to tell the vision to one guy. And so I'm like, oh, wow. So I, I, I'm thinking in my mind, how do I meet? I don't know this guy that much. I don't really text him. I don't have his email. Where I'm going to go to church early on Wednesday and look for him. You know how we think about these things, right? Try to sit next to him. Hey, bro, how's the family? How's the kids? Great, can I have a lot of money? <laughs> right, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do it, right? And so he decides, this is good. I don't like this, right? So God just tells me, Tell him the vision. Don't ask for money. Just tell him the vision. And so anyway, I fly out of Haiti with the vision. I'm going to do it. And I land in JFK. And I turn on my United States phone. And it, right when I land on the plane, and a text message pops up from the guy. I get a text message. I don't think I've ever got a text message from this guy. And he says in the text, he says... What's going on? Where are you? And I hit the button, and I go, I just flew in from Haiti. He goes, what's going on? I go, God gave me a vision for the nation of Haiti. He goes, dude, this is totally the Lord. Do you know the Bible says that the Lord always goes over before us? The Bible, if you look, the, Bible, the Lord always works on both ends. That's one of the ways you're going to know if the Lord's leading you. When, Anna, when Paul went to the street called Straight, and he sent Ananias to Paul. Paul knew Ananias was coming, and Ananias knew he was supposed to go to Paul. Same thing happened in Acts 9. Is this, uh, Peter knew he was supposed to go to Cornelius, and Cornelius sent people to, Peter, people to get Peter. God's working on both ends. He goes, dude, this is totally the Lord. He goes, I want to hear about the vision. I go, okay. Um, tomorrow? It was Sunday night. He goes, no, I'm going to email you my address Tuesday. I go, okay. So I pull, he sends me his address, man, and I get in my little beat-up Honda, you know, and I pull up in front of this big old giant house in Newport Beach. Man, I'm like, whoa, dude, this is awesome, man, right? And I pull up, and I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm getting nervous now, right? <laughs> I mean, this is it. The Lord told me in 80 to tell him the vision. And here we are just a couple days later, man. I'm at the guy's house. This is awesome, man. And all I had to do, the only I had to do, if my life would have, all I had to do was tell him the vision. That was the next thing I had to do. And he invites me in. He sits me down in, in, in the kitchen. He goes, tell me the vision. And I told him the vision. And he goes, this is totally the Lord. He goes, let me get my wife. He brought his wife down. He goes, tell her the vision. And it's, I told his wife the vision. She started crying. And they wrote me a check for 40,000 U.S. dollars. <laughs> Amen. Now I can get a new car. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? So anyway, I went home. I'm like, oh no, what's the next thing you're going to have me do, Lord? This is getting exciting, man. Right? Whoa. And I'm telling you, if you obey the Lord, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. The Lord will lead you into green pastures. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. He is the one that can do this for you. And so... He takes me, and I go, I get this, and I go, whoa. And so I go home, and I start giving away my stuff. And I'm not telling anybody what's going on. Because I don't want anybody to try to talk me out of it. Because I know this is what the Lord told me to do. And so I start giving away all my stuff. Amen? And uh, I ended up with a couple suitcases. And um, I flew into Haiti to open the Haiti Bible Training Center. 
you know, it's scary. In, in, in Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua was going into the promised land, the Lord had to tell him three times, fear not, nor be dismayed. I am your God. Right? Hey, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Do it, Joshua. Go for it, right? And what happens is, is when Joshua crosses over the Jordan River and he goes to the first battle in the Promised Land and he lifts his eyes towards Jericho, instead of seeing Jericho, he saw a man standing there. And he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And it was Jesus Christ. He says, no, but I have come as the commander of the Lord's army. Take your sandals off for the place that you stand is holy ground. And Joshua just went, <clears throat> amen. That's always a good place to be, you guys. Because listen, if we humble ourselves, if we go down, because listen, I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't have any clue. When I went over to Haiti, listen, I don't speak Creole. I don't even know where I am. I don't speak Creole. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> but the Lord knows, Amen. <laughs> the Lord knows. And you know, when I was coming into Haiti, some lady texted me a message um, from our choir at church at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. She sends me a message. It says, the angel of the Lord will go over before you to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Listen carefully to his voice. He'll be an enemy to your enemies. That's what the verse said. And I said, wow, the place is already prepared. And so all I have to do is listen to the Lord's voice to find it. Amen? And that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do to find that life that God has for you is be able to listen to the world, listen, listen to the Lord, not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the Word of God lead you. Let it be a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path. You don't want to lean on your own understanding, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and then the good shepherd is going to be able to get you where you're supposed to go. He will do it guaranteed. Amen? And so what happened was, is I ended up going in, the Lord led me to a place um, where I ended up leasing the facility from the guy who was the minister of religion in Haiti. Now the vision was to get these young leaders train them up and send them out and start churches. And it just so happened, the Lord led me to a place that they were building for 15 years. Nobody moved into it. I was the first one to move into it. And the minister of religion is the one that owned it. He was the guy in charge of all the churches and he was the one who was the one who allows pastors to be ordained in Haiti. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> wow, this is easy. <laughs> and he's going to make it easy for you too. Listen, and so, you know, the rest is history. But listen, I would never, you know, and, and when I went into Haiti, I was just, the thing was, is I was just trying to do what the Lord told me to do. And God's going to, God wants you to do the same thing. It's a step of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You hope it's going to go great. But it's the evidence of things not yet seen. You can't see it, but you hope it's going to happen. Amen. And you know that word hope in the New Testament, you know what it means? The absolute expectation that something great's going to happen. That's what hope means. And we have that hope that something great is going to happen in your life. And, and, and this is it, you guys. Now look. The Bible says in Proverbs 30 that you mark out a straight path for your feet and stick to the path and stay safe. Don't go to the right and don't go to the left. Okay? Just think, picture that. There's a road. Isaiah 35 says there's a highway there. It's a highway of holiness. And the redeemed of the Lord go there. And although a fool, you can be a total fool, if you walk on that road, if you mark out that path, there is no lion there. We know the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's trying to get you and he's trying to get me to not go onto that path that God has for us. That's his main goal. Why? Because if he can get you to do something other than what you were created to do, 
then guess what? You're going to be miserable just like that doctor. <laughs> Amen? You're going to be miserable. <laughs> How would you like to spend eight years at med school and go, I hate this. I hate this. I hate going to work. I hate being a doctor. I want to look at people. I'm sick of it. That's how he was. And he just sold his practice and came to Haiti and said, forget it. And then I, after a couple of weeks, I go, come on, man. You could look at some of these people. They're sick. He goes, okay. So we got, <laughs> I mean, him to go and do medical outreaches, man. Said, you hate it, but let's do it anyway. At least you know what you're doing, amen? <laughs> and so anyway, that's it. So, you know, the cool thing is, you guys, listen. So what, what, what's going to happen is, as you're coming in, God, okay, just picture this. You got this highway. You got this road. This is your road. This is the road that God has marked out for you, that you're supposed to go on. And what happens is, this is the problem. It says that each one is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Now, here's what it's like. It's like a fish. There's a, all, there's a fish swimming in a certain direction, and then all of a sudden, a giant shiny lure comes right in front of the fish. And the fish sees it. It's like, whoa. And the fish goes for it. And then when he bites it, he doesn't realize that the, that the lure has a trouble hook. And now he's caught. He's taken off the path. He's caught. He's out of the water. Amen. He's in the frying pan. Amen. That's what happens. That's what happens with you and me. That's what happens. The reason my life was so messed up is because I'd be going, whoa, I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, here comes this. And I wow. You know, and, I, and I'd end up over here. And I'd waste years and money and time and energy. And, and, and just wandering around. It says, you know, that, you know, the prince of the power of the air, you know, you're, you're drawn away. Whichever way, whichever way he leads you. And it'll end up being frustrating, and it's going to be discouraging, and you're, you're going to be unhappy. And be, but this is what God wants. God wants you to know what is the good and the acceptable will of God for you. Paul touched on it. He said, don't be unwise, but be wise and know what the will of the Lord is. Amen? Dude, this is, this is, this is exciting stuff, guys. This, see, Satan... What he does, he draws you away with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He gets you away from God. And he uses false idols. In the Old Testament, there was four false gods. There was the god of Molech, which was the god of prosperity. There was the god of Ashtoreth, was the god of the fertility goddess. Like, if I just had the most beautiful boyfriend or the most beautiful girlfriend in the world, that's all I need. Amen? I see all the girls laughing. If I just had the most amazing girlfriend, that's all I need in life. That's, that's tied in to that false worship of Ashtoreth. To think that that's going to satisfy you if you had that. But Jesus came to the woman at the well and he said, Listen, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him, torrents of living water will come forth from their innermost being. He goes, I've come to give you life. And life more abundantly. But Satan uses these things. He uses mammon. Right? When, when our brother here got the 50 bucks, a lot of you guys are like, oh. Right? Mammon's the strongest. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is strong. It gets all of us. We're like, wow. And so that's the thing Satan uses. The, 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 the mammon, the money, the, the prosperity with Molech, Ashtoreth, the fertility god, and Baal was like the chief god that was the other false god and it was like there was a lot of stuff tied into him but kind of like the god of the intellect if i just get smart enough if i just get a master degree that will do it that's all i need in life i can figure everything out and so those four false gods in the old testament he still uses today in our life to get us off of the path to keep us away that's his main goal, is to keep you away from what God has designed you to do. Amen? And so, but we have, we, have a, we have a plan. God tells us what to do. Tells us how to fight against that. The Bible says in Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You don't even need that. 
You don't need it. The minute you're going to get into trouble is when you want it. When you start wanting. You, know, you see somebody who gets in trouble um, for stealing money? You look at something like you got a guy, a businessman. He's got an amazing job, amazing career. And then all of a sudden you hear about the guy stealing money. You know, like, what happened? And he, and he gets fired, and his wife leaves him, and he's shamed. He's, and they got him in the newspaper, all this stuff. He cheated on his taxes. It's because what happens is he starts worshiping money. It's in his mind. That's all he's thinking about. That's his God. He can't stop thinking about money. Money, 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 money. And then here comes Satan and says, hey, how would you like a little extra money? And he's set up. He has no defense against it because that's, that's his God. That's all he's thinking about. And he's thinking about money, money, money. And then all of a sudden, it's an opportunity. Wow, you can have all this money. He goes, okay. But he doesn't realize who's behind it because the minute he takes the bait, then the accuser of the brother in Revelation 12, 12, Satan comes. And not only that, but he exposes it then. He exposes what he did. And the guy gets busted. You see somebody who uh, cheats on his wife or a pastor that falls. It's the same thing. What's happening, it just doesn't happen. What happens is, is the guy is, maybe he's looking at pornography. He's, he, he, it's all he's thinking about. Oh, he's thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Right? And he thinks that no one knows. Everything's he's thinking in his mind. And then all of a sudden, Satan sends someone. It's a, it's a, it's a trap. It's a decoy. And then all of a sudden, he has no defense against it because that's all he's thinking about. And then he goes for it. And then the same person who sent him is the same person that exposes it and totally destroys their life. That's what happens. That's what happens to me. That's what's going to happen to you. That's how Satan gets us off the path. He uses these sayings. You're drawn away by your own desires. But you know, it says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not, because you ask amiss to spend it on yourself. You know, the thing is, we have, this is the secret. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't want, if the Lord is your shepherd, think about this, you guys. If the Lord is your shepherd, the Lord, the King of kings. You know what God said? He goes, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. God says, all the gold is mine, all the silver is mine. I'll give it to whomever I want. But he wants us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, you know what? Then he can give you those things and it's going to be no problem because he knows it's not going to affect your relationship with them. Amen? This is the secret, you guys. Listen, what we want to do, if you don't want, if someone comes up to you and says, hey, look, man, here, here's, a, here's a girl, man. But I don't want it. I don't want it. Can't get you, right? Can't get you. You're not going to get drawn away. Hey, here's a, how about, hey, I do, if you do this, if you just cheat a little bit, you can have all this money. If I'm worshiping money, I'm going to fall for it. There was a guy in Haiti, I just, I crack up with this story. Um, there's a guy in Haiti just not too long ago. He bought this house, this, this property, um, this house for $100,000. And, um, and so the guy, when they gave him the paper, it kind of looked like 10000 on the paper. So the guy goes, hey, look, it kind of looks like ten. He goes, why don't we do this, bro? Why don't we just tell the government that I bought it for ten? And that way I only have to pay the taxes on the ten grand. They don't need to know that I bought it for me for a hundred. The guy goes, okay, no problem. So they paid the taxes on the 10 and they told the government they bought it for 10 grand. And then right after that, they're widening the road and the government comes in and they go, we need this property. And he goes, oh, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're going to give you whatever you paid for. Go get the paper. They took the paper. They gave him the 10 grand. They mowed his house down. <laughs> <I'm> bummer. <laughs> you idiot. How would you like to come over and tell your wife, I lost $90,000 today, honey. You idiot. <laughs> See, that's what happens, man. <laughs> we wonder how these things happen, man. The guy's thinking about money. He's worshiping mammon. Man, I, oh, man, you know, I could get more money than that. So he's like, really? Okay. 
And you'll always lose. <laughs> Amen? So look, you guys, this is it, man. So, so if, the, if you don't want, if you're truly satisfied in the Lord, then guess what? He's going to give you everything you need. I remember um, in my life, um, I'm like you, you know, you know, you're, you're in high school. I remember being in high school. You look at a, you look at a girl, like, wow, I wonder if that's my wife, right? And then like two days later, you're looking at another, another girl, well, I wonder if that's, if that's her, you know what I mean? This goes on and on, you know, you don't know. You know, you just waste so much time. I, I see you guys, you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's her, <laughs> right? So check it out, man. You, you, all this time, I wasted years like that. Years. And so much money taking girls on dates and, you know, a lot of, trying to be someone I wasn't, amen? You know, you take, your, you take your money out, you got the 20 on the outside and the, all the ones on the inside. <laughs> Just an idiot, you know? But, you know, this is the cool thing, man. Once I went over to Haiti... I was like, okay, I'm over that. I'm finished with that, man. Just forget it. I'm just going to do what the Lord called me to do. Amen? And so I go over to Haiti, and um, there was, I'm in there in the ministry, and the lady sends me over to go get some bread. <laughs> They're laughing. <laughs> they go, hey, Pastor Brian, can you go over to the bakery and get some bread? You know, this little place. So I go, okay, no problem. I'll get the bread, right? So I go over there. And the lady giving me the bread, right? She's giving me the bread, and I'm like, I said something to her about the Lord, you know? Like, hey, uh, the Lord loves you or something. And she's like, she stopped and quoted some scripture. It's like, and I don't know what she said, but I was with one of the missionaries. I go, did you see that? That lady's on fire, right? He's like, what? Whatever, right? I go, we got to go get some more bread. <laughs> We're going to get some more bread, man. I got to see what that was what I meant. And so the next thing you know, man, I'm going over there. And I'm, I'm like, the lady in the kitchen, like, Pastor Brian, no more bread. You know, the bread's stacking up. I'm like, yeah, we got Hey, Isaiah 58 says, give your bread to the hungry. Just put some peanut butter on it and give it to the hungry kids. I'll go get some more. Amen. <laughs> But it's cool, man. You know, the, I'll tell you a cool story. The, in the earthquake in 2010, my wife, um, she became my wife. Amen. <laughs> I'll tell you how it happened. <laughs> so, so it's so cool. I remember, I remember when I was in elementary school, um, I went to the stupid elementary school. I hated it. And they taught us French. And I told, it, six years of French. And I told my parents, I'm never going to France. I hate French. I don't want to speak French. I, everyone speaks Spanish. I don't want to speak French. And they go, you're going to school. That's where you're going. You're going to that school and you're going to learn French. And so I had to take six years of French. And now my wife speaks French. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the Lord knows what he's doing. Amen. I remember... There was a point in my life, all I wanted to do, man, it was like everything, all I wanted to do was become a professional motocross racer. I was racing like three or four times a week. Man, I was practicing and training, and man, I had all the bikes. That's what I wanted to get on the front cover of motocross magazine. Man, that's all I wanted, right? And so the Lord pulled the carpet out from under that, and then now I, 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 move, into, I move over to Haiti, and I, get, I have to get a motorcycle because the roads were so bad when we first got there. And man, I was like, the Lord's like, this is why you practice so much. <laughs> Demon-possessed dogs, potholes, people driving on the wrong side of the road, you know, <laughs> dust. <laughs> you know, I was like, whoa! So many times I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know, just missing a truck or something. And the Lord's like, that's why you practice so much. <laughs> Not to get on the cover of the magazine, but to do my work. Amen? And so God's going to redeem those things in your life. But, you know, um, my wife, I'll tell you a cool story about my wife. My wife um, was in the earthquake. 2010, there was a massive earthquake. She was in a three-story building, and um, she was in the choir practice. They went in um, to do choir practice on the second floor, 
And as they started to worship, the building started to shake, and the whole choir ran out on a balcony. And my wife and her, this other girl, her friend, were trying to get out on the balcony, but there wasn't enough room. Everybody piled, and the balcony fell off, and everybody got killed. And then after that, she remembers she turned around, and the whole three-story building buckled down, all the way down, complete rubble, a huge three, higher than this. And um, the girl next to her died, and she was in there, and a piling, a big metal piling like this fell on her. Uh, rebar went through her leg, and so she was in a little area. It was like 9-11, all the dust. She was in there. She could barely breathe. And um, that's where she gave her life to the Lord. Her dad was a deacon. She was in the choir, but she wasn't serious. And, uh, and when she was there, she was preparing to meet her maker. She thought she was going to die. And she gave her life to the Lord in there. And a cool thing, um, all of a sudden, her dad was like miles away, maybe five, six miles away, knew that she was at the church. And her dad ran to the church, and he got to the church, and her, she could hear her dad on top of the pile, yelling, Sophia, Sophia, yelling in the cracks. And um, she couldn't talk, but she grabbed like a rock, and she started hitting it on the metal. And her dad's like, Sophia, it's like, dink, 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 Sophia, dink, dink, dink. And her dad found out where she was, and they got these guys with uh, sledgehammers, and for five hours they broke cement pilings and pulled rebar out, and they got her out. Amen? Her dad goes, we're going to do everything we can to get you out. And they lifted her out, and she was almost dead. And uh, an ambulance came, and uh, the ambulance said, we're only taking people that are bad. And so they put her in the ambulance, they took her to the hospital, um, and she was in the hospital from like 12 o'clock at night till almost 5 the next morning and nobody saw her. There was people, dead people, they were amputating. There was like two doctors and thousands of people. The whole parking lot was set up as a triage. So her dad said, we got to get her out of here. She's going to die. Let's just take her home. And um, they got her and they brought her home. And started trying to take care of her and praying over Got the church in there praying for her. And uh, she started to get her strength back. And so, but she was paralyzed. And so they got her a wheelchair. And she was in a wheelchair. She couldn't walk. She was paralyzed. And um, it's so cool. Somebody got her an iPod with like, I don't know, Michael W. Smith or something. And she's praising English praise and worship music. And she sat there for hours just listening to this music, and she started to learn English. Amen? And so she's there, and um, one day, like six months later, she's sitting there. I mean, we're talking down a dirt road, off in the, the poorest country. Her, with four kids, her dad made $115 a month. No running water, no lights. We're talking, her life is over, man. It, it's, not, it's not like here if you're handicapped. Over there... It's hard enough. It's 80% unemployment. And so anyway, she's there in that wheelchair and just thinking all the things she could have done and how she would have tried harder. And, and then after like six months, one day, she started to feel her foot. Amen? And then all of a sudden, she started to try to walk, and now she's totally fine. Amen? The Lord healed her. The Lord healed her, man. She did, she's totally fine. And... Um, and so anyway, she, she, um, she goes, I got to go. So she just gets healed. And she goes, I got to do something, man. And there's no jobs in Haiti, right? There's nothing. And so she goes, so by the grace of God, she got a job at the bakery. <laughs> and then here I came. Do, 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 do. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and boom, amen. And, and that's it. The rest is history. But you know what? That, was, that is my wife. That is the lady that God, that's my wife. There's no doubt about it. I mean, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know, she's just like, that's the lady I was supposed to marry on this earth. And I would have never 
founder, if I would have just said, no, Lord, I'm not going to Haiti, right? If I would have just said no. And how many times in my life did I say no? The Lord's like, you guys, this is the abundant life. This is what I got for you, man. It's right here, right here. But you've got to let me be your shepherd and you've got to listen to me to get over here. And that's going to mean saying no to your plans and no to your desires, but yes to me. Amen. And that's like, man, I'm so grateful. Um, we have a baby now. Amen. And um, having a baby over in Haiti is like, oh, no. You know what I mean? This is like, we got to go. To, you guys got to go to the hospital, right? couple of you guys, is that insane? These hospitals, oh my God. You're better off just having your friend look at you than rather go to these hospitals, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, oh no, these places, some of these hospitals are not good. Some of them don't have hardly any power. There's no electrical equipment. People, they bring people there that are dying and there's diseases and oh man, it's terrible. And so, um, I'll tell you a cool story. So, my wife, she gets pregnant, and so she's, you know, she's, and I'm thinking in my mind, she's not going to be strong enough to push this baby out because where she was injured. It wasn't too long ago that she was in a wheelchair, right? And so anyway, we, you know, we're walking while she's pregnant and stuff, and she's walking great. She's fine, but she's, you know, she's not that strong. You know, she can't run up a hill. So anyway, I'm thinking in my mind, She's going to, I mean, I always thought in my mind, oh no, if they have to do a surgery to get this baby out, oh no, in Haiti, you know what I mean? It's not good. Um, Haiti, they don't even have any cardiologists in Haiti. Zero. You have heart problems? Pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there's no 911. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even think there's not, I've seen a couple ambulances, right? But there's that. You're, you're on your own, man. And so anyway, um, I'll tell you a cool story. So she's, so she's getting ready to have the baby. And um, so I'm reading in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Isaiah, and it's, this is the day before my baby. The Lord is speaking to my heart. I don't think she's strong enough to push the baby. So, and I don't even want to think about where that goes, right? So anyway, I'm reading, and it says, the day before she has the baby, it says, the it came time for the children of Israel to give birth, but they had no strength to push the baby. Oh no! Oh, I just heard you, but I don't want to think about this. Right? That means we're going to have to do surgery. Oh no! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to be good, right? I don't. Need, the one guy came and told me they have very few anesthesiologists there. I'm like, what did they just do it like? <laughs> go <laughs> right <laughs> I'm like oh no so I'm thinking so we get to the hospital and um, this is this is this is a true story man so we get to the hospital and uh, it's like four o'clock in the morning she's been in labor all day and she's getting tired man right and they got this thing it looks like a, a little like a little amp with a microphone it's the fetal monitor but it's, it looks like a little amp with just a normal little microphone that they have taped to her stomach. It's like a bass amp, guitar amp. And it's going, donk, 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 donk. You can hear the baby through this amp, right? That's their high-tech equipment. It sounds like, it's like going, donk, 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 donk. It's like a little guitar amp with this mic taped on her. And so for like five hours, we're listening to the baby. Donk, 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 right? And so all of a sudden, she's pushing... And she's trying, but she's getting tired. And the doctor comes in and he goes, we got a situation. And I already know. The Lord already told me. He goes, the baby is not moving. The baby's up here. She's fully dilated, but the baby's up here. The baby's not going down. She goes, he goes, the baby, I don't like the heartbeat on the baby. And he's going, dong, 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 dong. And I'm like, oh, no. It's like, oh, no, right? This is... So what do we do? <laughs> Lord, help. Amen. Do you want me to help you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what are we going to do? And so he goes, so I go in the lobby and I'm praying in there. And I'm like, Lord, if this guy comes in and says they need to get the baby out, we're going to get the baby out. Because when I became a pastor, 
the first thing, the first, one of the first calls I went on, there was a lady who was pregnant for nine months. And she went in to have the baby. And the doctor said, we need to get the baby out. The baby's, the cord is wrapped around the baby. And the lady said, no, I'm just going to try to push it. And she tried to push it and the baby died. That was the first thing I dealt with as a pastor. And this lady was just like, oh, just, I'm, you, you wouldn't want to, it's a nightmare. And I couldn't minister to her for days. I was trying to help her. And she was just in a whole nother world. And so all I could think about now, I didn't even remember that before, but now all I could think about is that lady, and then now the doctor, so I told, okay, if that doctor says they're going to get the baby out, we're going to get the baby out immediately. Because I don't want my wife to look like that lady, amen? That's what I was thinking. So the guy comes in, he goes, we need to get the baby out. And I go, get the baby out right now. I go, how long is it going to take? He goes, I think I can get the baby out in about 15 or 20 minutes. I go, get the baby out, right? So he tells her, I walk into the room. I walk into the room, and she's crying, right? I go, don't cry. Don't cry. We're getting the baby out. <laughs> God showed me a lot of stuff here, man. We're getting the baby out, right? Trust me, right? Wives, obey your husbands. <laughs> Dude, this is it, man. I know what's happening, right? So anyway, I tell her we're getting the baby out. So I'm trying to minister. And then all of a sudden, this speaker thing for five hours going, bonk, 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 stops. Okay? The speaker stops. I'm like, the doctor just told me there's a problem. We need to get the baby out. I go, get the baby out. He's in there getting the room ready to get it. And I'm talking to her. She's crying. Oh, man, dude, this is like, the speaker stops. And she goes, I don't hear the baby. And I'm like, uh, the thing's on. And I'm like wiggling the wire, you know. It's still plugged in. And we're just like, all of a sudden, man, this dark cloud just comes into the room. I'm like, oh, oh no, oh no. It's like, what do we do, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden, these people run in, they grab her, they throw her on this thing, and they wheel her out. And I'm like, oh no, right? And they take her in the other room. And so I'm like, okay. Earlier that day, I heard a baby born. There was a lady in there, and I heard the baby crying, and I was like praying over the room like, oh, Lord, thank you for that baby, right? So when the baby is born, I heard the baby crying, right? So here we are. I'm sitting there. I walk around the outside of the hospital to the room they pushed her in, and there's, no, there's really no screens or like windows on this thing. It's a third world hospital, and I'm right probably like from here to that piling away from where they're taking the baby out, and I'm there for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and it's just this dead silence, man. I'm like, oh my God. And I mean, you know when we get into a trial, right? I'm thinking, that's it. The baby's gone. And I just can't stop thinking about that lady. So anyway, I go, oh no. I've, now I know for sure. It's been like a half an hour. I'm like, oh no. So I called over to the Bible Training Center to the to director and I go, get up here quick, bro. He goes, where are you? And I told him, so I was on my, on my way. And um, I mean, through this thing, Jesus said, if need be, you've been grieved for a little while by various trials. You know, don't consider it strange when these trials come, right, to test you. Right? And so I'm like, I'm in a trial now. And it's like, I'm waiting for this guy. It's dead silence at this hospital. And the director comes pulling up. He goes, what's going on, bro? I go, dude, we got to pray, man. This is not good. I go, we got to pray. And so me and him are praying. And then all of a sudden, the security guard from the hospital runs out. And he goes, come here. And I walked in. And the lady handed me the baby. Amen? 
and the baby, they, they don't have, it's not like nurses and everything here. It's like, ah, and then, what do I do with the baby? And they took off. I'm like, oh, whoa. But the baby was alive, man. I'm like, oh, yes. And um, I go, mama ball? And she goes, mama's ball. And I go, oh, praise the Lord, man. But me and this guy, we had this baby. We're like, I don't know what to do with the baby. And so we, had to, we took the baby, we tried to, we wrapped him up in a little shirt, and we put him over there. I go, I think you're supposed to put him in an incubator. He goes, hey, well, we got a light over here. I go, get the light, man. And we put the light over there. <laughs> We're like, I don't know. Help! <laughs> and then finally some nurse came in. He goes, what are you guys doing over here? <laughs> but praise the Lord, amen. And... Um, I don't know what the deal was, but man, I'll tell you what, God did a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Amen? And God, see you guys, um, Alan's giving me the double whammy. You know, Alan's like, like <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He's just going like this. <laughs> All right, man. So anyway, you guys, let me just finish up. So we don't want to be conformed to this world. Okay? Don't do it. Don't do what the world does. But what you're going to do, in Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua went in to take his promised land, God told him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, then your way will prosper, then you'll have good success. The way that you're going to be able to hear that word in your ear it says in Isaiah 30, you will hear a word in your ear behind you telling you which way to go. Walk in it. And it says quietness and peace will be your strength. Listen, you've got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. If someone's telling you to take a class or be with a guy or go with a girl or take a job or do go to this school or that school, you wait on the Lord until you have a peace. You let the peace of God rule in your heart. That peace in the New Testament, what that means, the peace of God, that word in the Greek, it means it's the same meaning as a guy sliding into second base and the umpire either says safe or out. That's what the peace of God means. If you don't have the peace of God about something, if you feel something's weird, wait. And the Bible says those who wait on the Lord will never be put to shame. Amen? You wait until you got that peace and then you let the peace of God lead you and you listen you got to train your ears to listen Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives liberally if you want to know if that's the boy or that's the girl or that's the job or that's the school you got to seek the Lord and ask him and wait till he gives you a peace and then he's gonna set before you an open door that no man will close amen